Hi, and welcome to the miseducation of the SLP. I am one of your hosts, Ingrid. And I am the other host, Ashanti. And we are back for episode 23, where we are going to be processing the experience of being diverse in this career, which is a very interesting thing, being a person that has not necessarily the um, same view as many of the 92% that is what we would consider to be more similar to themselves because they are are all Caucasian. Um, And of the 92, I'm assuming that maybe like 88 to 90 are women. So we've kind of unpacked a few things in our last episode in regards to the points of view of SLPs that are really frustrated. Ashanti is one of them. And the interviewee (laughs) I had is another. We met like... (laughs) There's something very frustrating about what we are in um, in today's society. So, I think a good piece of it, I think a good piece of that too, the frustration is there's just so many different facets of being of a different culture or, you know, being diverse that just aren't considered. And I think it's possible that we feel it should be common knowledge or we feel that it should be something that's considered pretty regularly or kind of a, yeah, duh, why wouldn't you consider that? But it's not something that's done every day. I kind of grow in understanding in that though, because why would I expect anything else? Historically, I understand the type of environment I'm in Mm-hmm. And so diversity isn't something that is normal for this culture. There's always this desire to try to find homogenous ways of existing. There's a reason why there's a Stepford wife. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why the elite have elitism. And there's one- always someone trying to bring real things back in or bring things back to the mean, the the normative sample. <laughs> Well, that's essentially what they were considering to be an American. Mm-hmm. There's like this definition of American, and it looks very blonde and very white. Um, and anything outside of that is not necessarily an American. So we don't look at people that represent diversity, whether it be diverse in diagnosis, autism, hard of hearing, uh, or deaf, um, you know, cerebral palsy, Alzheimer's, dementia, any of these diagnoses that we apply, the minute we start to tack on these things, we lose our capacity to be part of the norm. Mm. And what I'm seeing in spaces of diversity is that we're fighting to break open the idea that everything can be normal. I feel like that's been shaped also 
by the LGBTQ community as well. Right, right. Well, the the word normal, there's just a vast gamut of what is considered normal. You know, normal, normal, a, a, for example, a normal breakfast to you for your culture is different than a normal breakfast for myself being Puerto Rican. A normal breakfast for a Puerto Rican is different from a normal breakfast for a Dominican. So, you know, that word normal is, it's very, very objective. It depends on who you are, where you're from. When I was talking to the SLP, the black SLP Mm -hmm. on that kind of idea for her, she felt that this career brought her this idea of stepping outside of her own myopic views, her own singular thought to incorporate something that was different than what she was, than what she is. And she had to make that the center focus of her practice is this external experience of saying what matters to you is actually more valuable than what matters to me. I don't think healthcare professionals do that enough. because of the idea that we need to live in an objective society with normative data, Mm -hmm. statistics, with objective views about everything. We need that as a society. It is how funding occurs. Mm -hmm. It is where the money flows. Like in that full respect, people don't get money without data and people don't get data without norms. And if we don't take in that understanding, we are going to lose as a science because every single science requires a norm. It just does. So what do we do about that break science? That's my question for SLPs that get so frustrated about what the history of it looks like. Yes, it's a problem. But what are we going to do? Because that is actually those individuals that created the science that is speech-language pathology followed the formula to a T. Because that's how science is. It is reflected in our healthcare system with medical doctors, which is why healthcare for Black people in this United States of America is really bad. Because it was built off of science that is biased. Implicitly. Mm -hmm. As we all love to discuss implicit bias. (laughs) So if we know that about science, because science is founded by people in power, and people in power in the United States of America were traditionally just white men who had a certain scope of how they feel science should unfold, even from before, but especially in this country, to the point where we do things like have the system where we talk about miles instead of meters. Mm -hmm. We needed to create our own thing. We wanted to be so separate and so different. And so we created science that 
had no base that was full of bias and we relied on that are we going to break science now like what are we planning on doing to improve the process that is this profession with a diverse society how are we going to build a norm what are we going to do well i don't know that there's a a direct you know all encompassing answer i mean everything just has to happen in really small um explicit steps you know very intentional steps towards something you know one thing being with research studies we we can't keep publishing so many things that are the same there's got to be the person that's trying to publish these things that are are looking into diverse cultures looking into other groups uh you know it's hard though because like you said, funding and, you know, the science and trying to create these norms and trying to figure out what should be quote unquote normal. It's not going to be an easy road. Well, the interest in diversity has to do with the people that are in it. The reason that there's been an introduction of such a huge push for something more for the speech language pathology um, scope is not because the people in it that all look the same are going, we need to infuse more in my personal opinion. Correct. That's my personal opinion. (laughs) On the contrary, they're thinking, well, what's the problem? Why are we we changing this? So it's the the disenfranchised that always push Mm -hmm. for the change in the experience. We've discussed this in the last episode. I will reiterate it. It is not the people who operate under the same practices that they're accustomed to that are trying to change it to do different things. It is the people that are disenfranchised that are doing it, period. But how far do we go as a disenfranchised society to say, include everyone? Mm -hmm. I saw a post recently about SLPs and the standard of of what you're doing as a discipline, right? So- should there be a deaf and hard of hearing SLP? The overwhelming majority is like, yes, of course. What kind of discrimination is that? Or if you have an accent because you're from a different country, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. That specific one, I, I last school year, I had a, a colleague that dealt with that all through the school year. Because they had an accent. Yeah, she had. She is originally from Puerto Rico, and you know, English is her second language, and so she does speak with an accent. And I mean, if she, <laughs> at least once a month, she would come back to the office from an IEP meeting where a parent said, "Well, we can't understand what she's saying. You know, maybe that's why our my son or my daughter isn't doing well in X Y Z," and just. Man, it it really is infuriating. But at the same time, you you can only defend yourself so much. I, I don't know. That that's a whole nother can of worms. 
No, it's the can of worms we're talking about. <laughs> well, in her in her case, she was a very talented SLP. Extremely talented. Talented. talented? I'm sorry. That's an interesting word to choose for an SLP. Talented? Yes. Very Girl, talented. what are we doing? Tap dancing? Like what is <laughs> talent in, as an SLP? Like, what does that look like? Give me some her, give me some juice on this. Her ability to analyze what the student was in need of or go back to the teacher and, and say, hey, are they having trouble with this during your class? Or are they having trouble with that? Just her ability with applying what she was working on in her office and helping the teacher make it so that it was happening in the classroom as well. I mean, she really did a great job with making sure there was there was that carryover where you know some SLPs might just do what they do in the classroom and okay here you go you go back to class I'm going to get my next group she really would take her time and spend a little a few, a few extra minutes with the teacher a few extra minutes with you know a different service provider um and really just she would go above and beyond and so to see how how much extra effort she was giving into some of these kids, some of these cases. And to have a parent say, well, maybe Johnny just isn't doing well because he can't understand the SLP. Or, I'm sorry, speech teacher, because they just love to call us that. But <laughs> maybe little Johnny isn't doing well because he doesn't understand the speech teacher. I can barely understand her when she's speaking. And I don't speak with an, with an accent. I understand her clearly. Perhaps it's because I do speak Spanish as well. And so, you know, certain sounds, I know she's making them incorrectly, but I don't feel like she was that unintelligible for a parent to, to have that complaint. Maybe that was just a scapegoat that they were, you know, attempting to use. Um, but it, it, at any rate, it's extremely frustrating to see a colleague go through something like that. So in that respect, I look at these parents and I understand why they would do something like that. I do not expect them to be better human beings than historically mm -hmm. has been represented from our culture. I am not going to assume that they're going to be amazing. Correct. We did post about this consideration of being called a speech teacher versus a speech language pathologist. We all know that I am going to yell at the top of my lungs, I'm a speech-language pathologist. I am not a speech teacher. Right. I'm also going to yell at the top of my lungs, and my accent or my ability to speak multiple languages does not impact my ability to be a good professional for your child. Correct. I am that person in the room that makes it perfectly clear that I am the expert in the space. So it makes people very uncomfortable to question that with me, even people that are medical doctors, I will fight with you and I don't care. And I don't think every SLP is willing to go down that avenue, but yet we have these problems that persist. Being good at your job requires ruffling feathers that are uncomfortably mm -hmm. biased towards you because of the nature of where we come from as a female-driven organization that is a majority white that have never really had to fight against the grain 
which is an incredibly gross statement, but really the, the highest struggle for a white woman has not been money, freedom, or satisfaction. It has been to be respected by their husbands. In my, in my view, the feminist movement was because women were not respected by their husbands. Mm-hmm. They were not respected by white men. And they just were fighting for that so tough. And the choice was to move into the spaces of business and work and all of that to fight for the equality of that. When really, it just comes down to you don't respect me. And I think that's been the biggest fight. But that is the only fight that I see historically the rest of the experience of white women that has been horrific horrific they've been raped disregarded pushed aside dismissed i felt like this career is a reflection of that culture because speech language pathologists are very much disrespected speech language pathologists are very much not understood and now we interfight as a discipline because you happen to be deaf and hard of hearing or you happen to speak with an accent mm-hmm. or you happen to have a spectrum uh, diagnosis or you know to be neurodivergent. You have to understand that this interfighting as a profession doesn't accomplish anything in our collective progress. Hyper-education to people that don't understand things, like why it's important not to speak about vocal fry (laughs) as a barrier for being a speech-language pathologist. Hyper-education in that space, I almost go like, it's expected that these people are going to do that. I know that there's going to be education given to them by some subset. But that's not my journey today. Because you have your opinion. Right. I am sick of everyone thinking that their opinion is the most right in the room. Is the only opinion. And unless you agree, we cannot be friends. Correct. (laughs) I do not know if it's a problem for vocal fry to be in a speech language pathologist's career and how they can have outcomes in comparison to someone who does not. I genuinely don't know that answer. And I'm not going to be opinionated to say that you are a great SLP if you have a thick accent better than someone who doesn't. I don't know that answer. Should we give everybody an opportunity? Of course. Yes. Am I here to have an opinion about whether or not you can do the job based on any of those things? No. Mm -mm. Because something is better than nothing. But I am definitely not here to reprimand your opinion. Because it is your opinion. And you've chosen to use some type of objective science to support that opinion. But there can be, it can be refuted. As we all know, and we're looking at this whole like 
situation of, you know, what, what is it? The, the free water or the, you know, the aspiration test that we do for, for nurses, we're already refuting that we're refuting that it's been there, but we're refuting it. We studied it, but we're saying no. It's the same thing about a lot of the speech pathology science, like, ooh, oral motor exercises, amazing. Yes, and then in the very next one, you know what? Non-speech oral motor uh, exercises, ineffective. Vital stem, pew, pew, pew. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the saving grace, vital stem, push, 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 and then against, against, against. Like we are an opinionated thing at every turn in terms of science. Mm -hmm. And so I don't get emotional about one opinion coming out versus, because I'm sure it's going to be refuted by someone somewhere that is interested in that dialogue. So if we want to say we need to diversify the studies in speech language pathology, not to be so similar to have 150 studies that are about monolingual people, well, then you take your little minority behind with your multiple languages and go out there and study <laughs> that shit. It is a minority of the society to speak multiple languages according to what is out there scientifically on the scope of our demographic. So if the majority is leaning towards that, well, that makes sense because we are proportionally of a society that is more monolingual than bilingual. To what degree? I don't know, which is why I kept asking you, what is the proportion? We don't know. We don't know. And that's the part that makes me go, we're too focused on being internally at conflict instead of propelling the things we want to see in the space by being the example of that. I'm not interested in telling you how to do it. I don't want to tell my fellow SLP how to do it. I want to be an example of how it should be done. Mm -hmm. And if they are interested, they will learn. And if they are not interested, it makes sense because they're not they're, they're, they're just, they're ignorant to it. 2021. That is where we are right now. Yes. Not for very much longer though. <laughs> We're about to finish. As I look at 2021 and I listen to physicians talk about implicit bias and racial disparities in healthcare, in 2021, why am I looking at speech language pathology going, you are at a higher standard? Hmm. I cannot do that. And do I think arguing the matter is going to cause a resolution? No, I do not. So what is the answer in solving it? is really in the example of moving in a manner that provides the education that needs to be in the room, which is what the miseducated SLP is trying to offer people in general. This science as a whole is biased. It's discriminatory. It is elitist. 
It is exclusionary. And it has savior syndrome, mm. which is what we talked about in the last episode. The Black SLP highlighted it beautifully and indicating we are in a discipline that thinks to itself we are doing good things for people because the science says so, knowing that the science is biased. Just in the sense of when some speech language pathologists say, oh, I'll get that fixed in so many sessions. You're going to fix what? <laughs> well, that question of we do, does it need to be fixed is always right. Thing. Exactly. Does it need to be fixed? And we're not fix. We're not fixing anyone. We're teaching, training, guiding. But it, it's not like we're changing out parts or putting a new battery into a toy. Like that's not, you know, we're not fixing, you know, a, a truck toy and just putting a new battery in it. We are offering the child the capacity Boom. to assimilate better in society. Right there. Assimilation is key to success. But what are we assimilating to? Now, if you do not want to assimilate in society, you can still be motherfucking successful. Correct. Correct. And this is the thing that makes speech language pathology a science that makes me sit back and go, do we even need you? Well, I've, I've sat through meetings, you know, where let's say you know, this was a couple years back. This child is getting ready to enter into the middle school age. Um, he is still working on R and R blends and vocalic R. And that is the one thing that he just cannot get through. And myself as, as you know, the speech language pathologist, the professional in the room, I would have the discussion with the parent in the meeting. Listen, just because he cannot produce these sounds correctly does not mean he has to be on an IEP. You have the choice. You have the choice. Do you, what would you, and you know, maybe speak to your son, would you guys like to continue working on this or would you like to be done? It's not a requirement to say the R's perfectly to enter into middle school. Well, then, you know, you have the teacher chiming in. Well, what if he gets made fun of? And what if this? And what if that? Well, that's, I'm sorry. That's not a reason to, to keep a person on an IEP. Because they might get made fun of? Or because no one else says it like that? Or because maybe in the future um, during... Uh, speech, uh, you know, giving speeches, you know, in high school or public speaking roles that they might have, they, they're going to say those R's incorrectly. Have you heard of Barbara Walters? Have you, <laughs> have you heard of, you know, countless people that do have speech sound errors and are still fully functional members of society? So again, like, are we offering that option to the families to the client that, hey, yes, this is something we can work on if you are interested in continuing to work on this. And if you're not, that's cool too. But that's where we have overextended our importance. 
Mm-hmm. We have. Mm-hmm. Because if there's ever a deviation, we must fix. We must right. heroize it. Right. We must swoop in and overextend our services to where now, in response, schools are equally as hypervigilant mm-hmm. and overly apply you know, recommendations for students to come to speech services. And we're looking at it like, this is actually not necessary. We are not doing enough to make it clear that this is an in an inappropriate intervention for this student. Correct. We Correct. are not doing that enough. And because we're not doing that enough, we find ourselves in circumstances of being a little bit overindulgent in our importance. I also think, um, yes, in some cases there is that overindulgence as to how important the SLP is, but there's also the piece where circling back to the, the respect, um, uh, theme where the SLP might say, Hey, listen, it's just one sound. It's really not necessary. You know, if we, if we tie it directly to educational benefit, it's, it's, it's not going to mess up this kid, you know, this way or that. But then you've got the teacher saying, well, I can't understand a word coming out of his mouth. And then you've got the, you know, let's say the resource specialist saying, I can't understand this. And he still can't spell that and da, 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 da. So when it turns into, you know, they call it a team discussion, but I have sat through meetings where everyone's going against what you are saying as the professional in the room in that subject matter. And what do you, I mean, what do you do? What do you do when everyone's telling you, no, absolutely not. I, they need this, they need that. And they're not listening or respecting your professional guidance, your, you know, what you are saying as the professional in the room. I don't know that sensation. (laughs) It's a heated one. It doesn't feel good. (laughs) Just tell you that. I'm just saying, I don't know that sensation because I don't know people that don't respect my opinion as a professional in the room. Mm -hmm other than medical doctors, and they still understand that I'm going to disagree with them. I will stand, I will be steadfast. Oh, absolutely. You can disagree. No, no, no. I mean mean it in the sense, I mean it in the sense of like, there is nothing that you're going to say to me that is going to continue to allow me to encourage an IEP for the student because I have to write it. I have to write it. If you can't understand that student, sounds like a personal problem to me, mm-hmm. and not a science, not one that's going to be encouraged by my science. Unfortunately, this child is perfectly capable of being successful in your school with this issue that you seem to have a huge problem with. This issue sounds like your personal issue because it's not one based on what is actually appropriate for the student. Mm-hmm. And this is, it, it, you challenge teachers to go, what did people do before our profession started with these types of students? Did they just abandon them? Did they not do and make any effort to help these students to the best capacity that they could? We are a team. If I am telling you 
that my services are not necessary and you are saying you need to lean 100% on me because you are frustrated, that means you're not employing the services Mm -hmm. I've already educated you on. You're Mm -hmm. not adopting what I've already taught you. You're not putting to practice what I've already incorporated in this child's ability to appropriately integrate into your classroom. That's how I give proper feedback because I better have done all that shit. I better have assisted that teacher in being successful in communication with that student. Mm -hmm. I better not think that just because I'm doing speech therapy and I do not feel like that child has a problem that I should not also give education on how that teacher needs to communicate with that student and vice versa Mm -hmm. to facilitate successful communication in the classroom. I better have done that. That's the whole fucking point. It is. It is. I'm going to have a hard time listening to a teacher tell me something like that and me not respond with the understanding of like, you know what? Maybe I need to incorporate more education for you so that you can be successful with this student. So I'm going to shift my situation and allow that to be the case. It's not a teacher-student problem or it's not a student problem. It's a teacher-student problem. Mm -hmm. I need to figure out how to make that teacher successful with that student too. Solely because I know their ignorance. I know their lack of knowledge. I I know their lack of awareness. And yes, will it burden my day? Yes, will it make my job harder? Yes, will it? Absolutely all those things. Mm -hmm. But if I'm really going to be sincere about advocating, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. And you're you also might run into the teacher that says, "Well, I tried that, and I tried this, and I tried that," <laughs> and you're wonderful. just like, "Wonderful, you, wonderful." You know wonderful. what? Can can you humor me because we need to do RTI because we need to document this because we need to do this. Please, let's do this for this many weeks, or let's do this for you know, let's try that. There, there's always that teacher that, well, that's not going to work. Well, how do you know? So it, it we do get into tough situations where, like you said, that there's just the respect for the profession isn't entirely there. Well, that's because we don't command it as mm-hmm. such. There's a lot of cookie cutter out of the book uh, SLPs that don't do mm-hmm. the work right. No offense, but real talk. You don't do the work right. You go out there, you create goals that are incredibly long and incredibly hard to decode <laughs> and, incredibly, and lack so much functionality that you're like, what the fuck am I working towards here? This is the dumbest thing on the planet because I cannot even register where the goal is. I think it, I think you need to share on on the Instagram page, the one that I sent you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was so brilliant. <laughs> it was a, a biblical goal. <laughs> I was in Psalms 13 before I got there. girl. <laughs> oh and that's the God. kind of thing that makes me go, we deserve the lack of respect for some of these spaces because we did not go about this the right way, but mm-hmm. that's another, that's another deviation. I just, I know it's not my journey. I wish someone would come <laughs> out with some type of side neck talk about how they're struggling with my student 
or my patient or whatever and me sit there and go, okay, I'll just keep them on. I just, I don't have it in me. I still remember to this day, and this is a medical situation. I had a respiratory therapist and a physical therapy, a physical therapist who was my supervisor talking to me about somebody who was an inline Passimira valve patient that I had successfully cleared to eat at a high PEEP rate, which is their, um, basically it's about their lungs capacity to Mm -hmm. the appropriate pressure and stay inflated. And so with somebody who has a high PEEP rate, when you deflate their cuff so that they're able to do more of the control, you're concerned that they're going to have a lung collapse during those episodes. Mm -hmm. I would spend a solid hour and some change treating this patient in the acute hospital, providing a meal. And that was very successful without any episodes that ever indicated to me that there was a significant problem. When weaning was introduced, we did have some moments of a, a collapsed lung, but those were, in my professional opinion, huge jumps that the medical team was making. Why? Because the medical situation was being guided by surgeons who did not have any interest in utilizing pulmonologists. Hmm. So for mechanical ventilation, it just was not guided in a way that I thought was just appropriately driven. Right. Didn't have enough. It didn't have enough um, objective information. And I studied it very extensively. I had that respiratory therapist and that physical therapist tell me they did not feel comfortable with feeding the person based on the fact that their peep rate was this and their that was that. And I'm like, have any of y'all sat there and fed the patient? Because I did it for three motherfucking weeks. <laughs> I can understand why you wouldn't be comfortable. You didn't do the work. Right. <clears throat> I did the work. Let me get you into that room to teach you why it's okay what I've decided. You're trying to get a grade on this group project without having done any of the work. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they had strong feelings. They had strong opinions. Oh, they always I do. It, yeah. I worked it to the best of my capacity to advocate for that, for that uh, patient. And I do that even against the grain. And I was comfortable doing that against the grain. And I sat in that room fully aware of the fact that I was being hosed by nursing and by respiratory and by even not in a bad way, my supervisor, because there wanted to be this homogenized experience. And if I'm going to be in a society that wants us all to be on the same page, I do know that I'm going to have to make some adjustments. So what did I do? everything I needed to do to make everybody get on my page. I worked it out. It took time, but I made it a possibility to get there, mm -hmm. which is why people found me to be such a strong personality because I really did not deviate from getting what I wanted. And I am just not the consistent format of a speech language pathologist. <laughs> These pathologists don't operate like that. 
They will not be as dogmatic in making sure that our science is the most respected thing in the room. And so we have circumstances where teachers and principals Mm -hmm. and parents and whomever just kind of operate in this very disrespectful manner. And we just live like that as a society, as a, as a uh, discipline. And I just, I can't do it. Can't do it. And you, and you're not. I'm not. So (laughs) I I moved on. You moved Um, on. You broke up with that one. And I mean, I'm still having breakup sex. Like, I'm per diem. <laughs> I'm per diem as an SLP still. That was so loud. Sorry. I laughed really loud. <laughs> it will still be in the show. <laughs> I'm having breakup sex with my career. Like, I keep going in, and I'm like, ugh. And then I hate myself after. And I'm like, do you do the walk of shame back to I- your car? <laughs> Like, why am I still doing this? I thought we were done. I really, I really want to be done. But it's precarious, you know? The end of my career is precarious right now. I don't know what's happening in one direction versus another. It's all just really ambiguous. And here I hear things like, you know, it could be up to a year and you wouldn't hear anything. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's not so, fair. I mean, but it's the sincere circumstances of my life right right and I just kind of have to accept that with an understanding that I can't control this the only thing I can do is decide on am I gonna pay for this license that I'm about to renew because the state of Florida is like hello that letter <laughs> for that for that you know renewal and I'm like I see it I don't know that I want to and then of course Asha dues right there December Asha hello dues, yep same time so do I want to spend $305 on something that I'm really not interested in doing anymore? Is that really where I'm going to go in my life is to spend this kind of money in something where I'm like, eh, I don't know. But it's so precarious that I'm like, if I don't pay, what happens? Like what right. happens to my life? What goes on, you know? And I don't make choices based off of the unknown. I try to make choices based off of the known. But this is really this is really something that I have to sit with and and think about and spend time with. So we'll see what inevitably comes of it. But I am leaning towards um, not engaging in any of it financially because personally, it just it doesn't gratify me anymore to do so. And that's kind of even though there's not an unknown outcome, that's kind of where I'm where I stand. So. We'll see what comes of it. Yeah. We've still got some time. Time will tell. Certainly. We have about six weeks left in this year. Six to seven Ugh. weeks left in this year. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed our episode. I know I talked a lot. Ashanti definitely laid in her, her thoughts as well. <laughs> We're going to be introducing some discussion with um, the deaf and hard of hearing And I'm probably going to introduce another um, SLP whom I went to um, the University of Central Florida. So I'm aware of like the kind of person that she is. The best thing that I love about it is that uh, she is absolutely a white woman married to a black man with a biracial baby. 
and um, speaks very clearly about the racial um, scope of the speech language pathologist. So I'm really Mm. curious to see where she's coming from with her point of view as a non-Black individual that just is all about Black swirl. I love her. (laughs) That's definitely an interesting perspective. I think it would be, it's going to be a great episode and I'm just so excited to talk to her. Um, But yeah, guys, I would love it if you got, would DM, if you have a story or or something to share in regards to uh, being a diverse member of this profession, um, you could DM us at the Miseducated SLP on IG. Um, The Miseducated SLP podcast on Facebook is still there waiting to have action you know we like <laughs> and of course always the email um miseducated slp at gmail.com all of those avenues are available to you so reach out let us know we're happy to listen um and i hope you have a great great tuesday or wednesday or saturday or whatever when, day or whatever day you end up listening <laughs> absolutely So appreciate your return and looking forward to talking to you soon. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.